Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hey there, it's Dan Kenner with another episode of The Casual Author. Today is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023, as I record this. And this is episode number 77 of the podcast. Today, we're talking to Buck Martinez about inspiring your readers through your writing. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Buck has particular interest in inspiring teenagers or the younger generation to become leaders. He talks a lot about his writing process, why he writes the way he does, and where he gets his own inspiration for writing. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. You'll want to stick around for that. So before we get to the actual podcast interview, we'll talk about updates as per usual. So we'll start with the author updates this week. Um, first off, I'm no longer on paternity leave. You know, it's a little bit of a bittersweet situation. <laughs> the thing is, with our family, we run very well on a schedule. So we homeschool and we do homesteading, of course. And so when I'm not working, the schedule gets a little bit messed up because, you know, I, I'm thrown into the mix. Obviously, there's a lot to do. And so without that regular schedule... <laughs> I know that the family was getting a little bit antsy. So they're like I said, it's a little bit bittersweet to get back to work because um, I actually go down and kind of do my own thing while my family gets into their own routine and everybody just kind of goes with the flow. Um, not that it was bad. I mean, matern- paternity leave was awesome. We were able to get a lot of the homestead things done. We built a brand new chicken tractor, which I'll talk about on the homestead update. And I did get some pretty decent writing done. So Dragon Blooded is it's hard to say how many chapters are left. I'm just shy of 87,000 words. Target is 90,000. Probably not going to wrap it up by 90. I thought I would be pretty close, but there's just a little bit more that I need to add. Perhaps around 95 will be more likely where I'll end up. But Dragon Blooded is coming along and I'm really excited to finish that. After that, I probably will start writing the next book. I'm laughing because I have the completed Etcher's Plight. The Etcher's Plight is the first book of a four book series. Um, it's nearly 190,000 words, and for some reason, I'm too terrified to open it up <laughs> and reread it. So that's going to continue sitting until I find the courage to go back to it and, and mess with it some more. I still have in my mind some of the things that I need to fix, and I even have a title for the second book and kind of where at least how it's going to start. But for some reason, it just feels like an insurmountable mountain right now because it's such a big book. So probably more than likely, I'll move on to write the second book of this series, which I'm going to be calling Demon Blooded. There's a little bit of a spoiler for you right there. Um, I'll probably write Demon Blooded after I finish Dragon Blooded. So that is interesting and great. In terms of the Cyber City Kids books, we are taking a little bit of a pause on those. My co-author is working on some things with her family. She indicated that she's going to need to take a little bit of a break from it, which is Honestly, no big deal. Uh, it's not like I don't have things to work on. That's what I told her. No rush on that front. So that's going to be paused. The first book is still done. Uh, it's gone through a few some revisions. 
not a, an actual like formal line edit quite yet, but some beta readers have it. And we've, we've gotten some really great feedback from that. So that's good, at least. It's the second book that we're stalled on currently. In terms of author, I've also been diving into story origin. Those of you who are authors who are listening may be aware of this system. It is a a method for growing your email list. So if you've got like a reader magnet, that's essentially a freebie that you give away for in, in exchange for an email address. Obviously, people can unsubscribe at any time. But, you know, the point of it is to build your email list, find those true fans who are willing to follow you along with your author journey. Um, those of you who might be new to the podcast, Shielded is my novella. People laugh because it's, you know, near 40,000 words. I think it's something like 36,000 words. And people laugh and say, that's not a novella. That's like a novel. For me, it's a novella. It's quite short. But Shielded is what you get free if you sign up for my my email list. And um, so essentially, Story Origin allows you to trade your book links, your reader magnets with other authors, they send out your book to their email list, you send out their book to your email list. And because you're trading, you're kind of passing commonality, common people between your email list, people can sign up if they want. So it's been great. I found a lot of success in it. My email list hasn't grown uh, significantly, I would say quite yet, but it is growing, which I appreciate. And I'm being It helps me be more consistent with my email. So if you are listening and you want to see pictures of the baby goats or hear a little bit more about what's going on with uh, my life and whatnot, you can sign up for the email list as well and get those updates. I send them every week. But yeah, if you're looking to build your email list, I do recommend Story Origin. It seems like it's a really solid software for authors. So I believe that's it for author updates. We'll go ahead and shift over to the homestead updates. And most of this week has just been dealing with the uh, the babies. <laughs> Say dealing with not in a negative way, but the kid, goat kids are just really rambunctious. They're hopping around. They're really fun. They're kind of skittish. I've talked about this before, but when you let your goats be raised by their mothers in terms of feeding them, it's called dam raised then they're not always the most friendly thing, which is a little bit challenging, right? Because we we don't have the time to commit to bottle feeding all of the babies. Right now there's eight. Um, just because just preparing the bottles and going out there and feeding them, we don't have like a system for mass feeding them. There's these cool things you can do to mass feed them. We don't have that done yet. So we are only bottle feeding two. One of them is because she almost died. We literally had to nurse her back to health. The second one was by choice. Um, and that was because all of our goats that we currently own still our second generation from us starting with our goats the very the first two goats that we got way forever ago um we sold one because she wasn't her personality wasn't what we wanted and then the second one unfortunately passed away so we're just left with the bread goats that we bred ourselves um and the one they're not super friendly i mean they're kind of friendly we've trained them to be somewhat friendly two of them do pretty well the other three are kind of wishy-washy the one distinguishing factor between dam raised and bottle raised babies is the bottle raised babies will do anything. They'll follow you all over the world, which there's, you know, it can get a little bit irritating when they're constantly on your heels. But we're hoping that it saves us more time as we if we save a couple of these babies to be more friendly. We bottle feed them. They'll grow up and then they will actually follow instructions and listen and will be easier to train. Um, training a dam raised goat has just proven very difficult. They, you know, they go back and forth in terms of obeying and doing what they're supposed to and standing on the stand while you're milking them without tapping their feet like little tap dancers. There's so much that can be benefited from a bottle fed baby. So we are bottle feeding two of them. 
and they are proving very friendly. In fact, they're still so small that they'll slip through the fence. Um, I'm not too worried about it. That it's a little annoying, but they'll just slip through the fence because the squares are about four by four. Uh, and then they'll just follow you. <laughs> so on Sunday, my daughter was back there and the goat just followed her for like 30 minutes, just yipping, yapping at her heels, jumping on her like a dog. It was just funny watching her run around the yard and this goat just following behind her. So anyway, there you go. Bottle feed, bottle fed babies. That's something that um, if you've never heard of, you now know. The other thing I said was we finished our chicken tractor. So chicken tractor is essentially just a portable chicken house, chicken coop that you can bring out into your fields and move it around. Uh, ours has two wheels on it that we can put, take on, put on and take off and whatnot. And so the chickens are out in our garden area preparing it for planting. We'd like to plant an orchard. And so we're just going to drag them every day in this little portable chicken coop around our whole property or as much of the property as we can per day. And they will just peck at the ground. They'll eat the weeds. They'll scratch it all up and kind of till it a little bit. Anyway, it's really good for it. And of course, their their manure is fertilizer as well. So that is very good. There's a lot of benefits to it. But building it was really fun. It's a peaked roof. I need to make a video about it. We got the design from another homesteader and it's proving very amazing. It's on wheels, like I mentioned before, our other versions of uh, chicken tractors are not on wheels, and so I have to drag them. They're not even like skids or anything. I just drag them, brute force them across our property, and I just drag stuff. I pick up rocks, I pick up sticks, and it's probably it's not super safe for the chickens either because their legs can get caught underneath. Anyway, the wheels turn out way better, and the chickens seem very happy in it. So there you go, new chicken tractor, something you've never heard of before. In any case, I don't believe that there's anything else in terms of homestead news, so we can go ahead and shift over to the interview portion with Buck. How are you doing today, Buck? I'm doing wonderful, Dan. Excellent. Well, so glad South Florida is a great place to be right now. Ah, yes. Is, is, is it hot there yet? I know it gets pretty hot. It's hot, area. but it's we haven't got the humidity yet, so it's it's okay. Okay. I'm one of those weird people that doesn't mind humidity. Actually, <laughs> I like it. And nobody can understand. I actually spent a couple of years in the Philippines. Oh, it's geez. like humid as I'll get yeah. out of there, but I love it there. So tropical. Yes, very tropical. But in any case, I'm I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast. I'd, I'm excited to learn about your experience. You have an amazing experience with leadership and personal development, and you've written seven books. I don't know how, Dan. It just kind of happened. You know, <laughs> the last thing I ever thought I'd be doing in life is reading, is uh, writing books. But you know, God's plan, whatever well, it may be. To be fair, yeah, in the same way, I did not expect. I, I hoped to write. I thought it would be fun to write. I never thought I actually would. I've published five books myself. Different vein, obviously, huh. <laughs> fantasy, um, sci-fi type. You know, very nerdy stuff. Uh, but I'd love to talk about your experience with writing. I know you didn't really plan on becoming an author. You just kind of fell into it. But what's the story there? How long have you been writing and how did you get into it? So it's kind of crazy. Um, about uh, 10 years ago, my daughter and I started this organization called Student Aces. And Aces was intended to really kind of bring character and leadership to student athletes. So we were, um, I have been with the private sector for over 30 years. And I just felt that it was time to give back. Hmm. So giving back, it, it started this organization. And, you know, one day it was kind of bizarre. It's coming out of the shower and I got this crazy thought saying, you know, we've got 30 kids in the program. How are we going to get our message out? 
And our message was we we had been working on what are those core values that if you had if you had the opportunity to talk to kids, you know, what are things you really want them to truly understand? And we talked about how do you command respect? How do you become trustworthy? Uh, we talk about the one thing you can control in life, which is your attitude. So bring a winning attitude. We talked about work ethic. So the ability to outwork the competition in whatever aspect of life, whether you're in med school, whether you're, you know, uh, a cook in a restaurant, whatever it may be, if you really want to make an impact, outwork everybody. And then being a good person, a person of integrity. So th- we we started having um, sessions with, you know, different high schools and stuff like that. And and this little word kept coming back saying, you got to do more, you got to do more, you got to do more, get the message out and talk to a number of principals in different high schools. And I said, are you guys teaching values? Are you guys teaching character? Are you teaching leadership? And they said, shoot, we can barely teach math, science, and history, right? So I said, let's do it. And uh, I called a buddy of mine and I said, hey, I got this crazy idea. I'm thinking of writing a book. And he said, you, you're crazy. And I wouldn't, I would recommend against it. And uh, nobody buys books. I said, well, I'm not doing it. For, <laughs> I'm obviously not doing it for that. I'm trying to get the message out. And then you fast forward, Dan, and today we've had uh, about 50,000 kids go through our programs in one way or the other. So, you know, but when you have, you know, millions of kids in this country, unfortunately, a lot of them don't, you know, no, they've never read a book. So it's frustrating because all you can do is get the message out, whether they choose to read or not, it's, it's different. Now, one university down in Miami is a small university, St. Thomas University, has actually put one of the books in their curriculum. Hmm. So and that's a book called The Winning Formula. So that, you know, at least that's that's pretty cool. It's mandatory reading for for entry level students at the university. I think that's amazing. Yeah, definitely. If you're hoping to get your message in front of students, that's the best place you want to be. Um, although I have to admit, I didn't love the assigned readings for any of my classes, <laughs> but right. you know, That's you right. do what you got to do, right? It's a cheap workbook, man. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> um, but I mean, these are the exact types of things. So a little bit of information about us, we actually chose to homeschool, um, partially on the basis of that. And this is not a knock on the school system. This is a knock, not a knock on anything. Um, I just recognize kind of the missing points of my own education, my wife's education going up. We decided, hey, you know, let's try to fill in some of these gaps around values, practical skills on top of all of these standard Mm -hmm. subjects that people are missing. But I think this is the exact type of thing. These are exact values and messages that schools need that, like you said, they don't have time or they are not making the time to talk about. So why are you so passionate about this? Is it because you've been involved with kind of youth, teenage kids for a while now? You just thought, hey, I want to do something, kind of give back. Um, or do you have like a history of wanting just to help people become better people? And you decide, hey, this is the best place to apply it. Um, yeah. So um, my parents fled communism uh, when I was a small child. I was probably less than two years old. And uh, they came to this country, this country embraced them. The people were phenomenal. So uh, I was blessed and I'm always indebted to have this country open their arms to us. So I always felt passionate that I was blessed as a child to have great parents that really inculcated values, you know, strong character, work ethic, integrity. And I feel that today we've lost a lot of that in this country and kids um, have lost that sense of work ethic. And there's a tremendous amount of entitlement 
So we're we're working hard to to try to get that message out to kids that say, hey, the only thing you can try to bring a winning attitude, be willing to outwork everybody else, be humble, be a person of integrity, because ultimately that is the only thing you can really take with you and be measured on. So be a you know be a person of honor. So the more we can continue to drive that message out to our youth and continue to demonstrate to our youth that this country is worth fighting for. This country is so different from everywhere else. And if we lose our country, you know, where are you going to go? This is the only place that freedom still reigns. And, and it's uh, so I'm passionate about it. I want this generation to, to have what I had growing up and I'll, I'll do the best I can till you know, it's time to go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that perspective. And I think, like you said, the winning attitude, the good outlook, those are the things that it's I don't think are being talked about regularly, not even just within schools, but just at home. And once again, I don't think it's like a failure from a parenting perspective necessarily as much as I think people just forget that you need to talk about these things. Right. It's the reality of being successful, um, of finding success in whatever your passions are, is these important outlooks, your personality, you know, being dependable, diligent, those types of things. And it's taught by word and by example. So I, I, I think it's amazing that you've written books. And I want to talk a little bit about, and you, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but did you write these books knowing that your audience was going to be kind of in this teenage age? Because, you know, their their attention spans are a little bit differently. They have different expectations. They probably don't love to read. I feel like there's a lot of teenagers these days that just are not interested in reading. So how did you make sure that your books were geared towards the right audience? What did you do to write them in that way? Yeah. I mean, everything I write, I really kind of write from the heart. So Mm -hmm. I, I have the opportunity to work with a tremendous amount of what I call high school university, and then these young people in the workforce and Everything is about kind of combining a little bit of history with a little bit of lessons with a little bit of, you know, what is the theme? So I I try to I try to bring back. So if I have a theme on, say, respect, if I have a theme on courage, whatever it may be, I try to I try to bring in a little bit of history. For example, you know, when when your soldiers are getting their butts kicked and you have you know, basically a ragged army that has no shoes and you ask them on Christmas Eve to go march where the British camps are and to take that. And you're like, what what leadership did Washington have to have to be able to have his men, right? Say, hey, let's go, boss. Let's go. Are you kidding me? So the stories are so amazing about the trail and of blood that was on this in the snow from basically these kids they had no shoes they had frostbite all over the place so it's a an issue of how did that guy demand that kind of or command that kind of influence that kind of respect the trustworthiness of his people so if you if you can bring a real life story into it maybe the kids will be excited about it maybe they'll be interested in because they don't they don't teach it's the story behind the men and the women of history. They just say, okay, Washington was the first president. Okay. But nobody knows anything about the individual. So if I'm a big fan that if, you know, if you want to get people to listen, you tell a story and that story about bringing to life kind of the character of our great, you know, forefathers and four women. I mean, that, that to me is powerful. So I, I try to do that. Uh, bring a different perspective to it, bring in, you know, kind of real, 
real world. I mean, I talk about people today like Ben Carson, you know, a lot of people don't know Ben Carson, but mm-hmm. everybody says, oh, this is great, you know, neurosurgeon that separated conjoined twins. But when you talk to Ben Carson, he says, geez, you know, nobody asked me how many kids died on the operating table that I have to deal with the rest of my life. So the true human story of this guy that even though he's known as this great neurosurgeon, he himself has to deal with how many parents he let down because he wasn't able to save their kids. So, you know, you're, you're trying to bring the reality of being the human nature into all this stuff. And it's, it's powerful. That's why, you know, I, I, I long for the kids to be able to read these books, but I, I also realize that, you know, they, they'd rather have that little one Twitter feed that says, Oh, Ben Carson is whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's unfortunate because I, I, I just think kids would get so much from reading. It's, it allows their imagination to really, you know, like you're, you know, like in your case, you're writing, you know, sci-fi and you're reading fiction. I mean, that's huge. I mean, that teaches kids how to have an imagination and have this, use that brain power as opposed to just everything just being out there for them. Agreed. I feel like there's a lot of things that are put in front of kids a little bit too on the nose, you know, very, Mm -hmm. very pointed, you know, media these days, we don't have to get into that. That's a whole, that's a whole other (laughs) problem. But we can one day. (laughs) We can one day. Different (laughs) podcast conversation. But I mean, exactly what you said, you know, I have, I don't have experience writing nonfiction like you. I, I mostly have experience writing fiction, but I have experience reading fiction excuse me, reading nonfiction. And that what you said is exactly where successful authors do better than those who are not successful is they manage to reach into the human psyche, help, you know, younger people or even adults understand the reality of humanity, the reality of the situation. It's not just painted everything 100% positively. You have to recognize that things aren't 100% perfect, but that's okay. That's part of life. That's how you deal with it. And it's amazing how much more relatable that is. And I think the same thing can be applied to fiction. You know, I've read a lot of fiction, science fiction, fantasy, you know, mysteries, yada, yada. And the ones that um, stand apart from others are the ones that feel more real, which is Mm -hmm. ironic, right? Because we're talking about fantasy. We're talking about fiction. They're not real. None of that's real. But as as humans, we can detect when something just doesn't feel right. When someone is not real, they're not realistically portrayed, it just turns that person off. And that's Mm -hmm. the same thing with historical figures. Um, If something just feels off, the unconscious mind can just know that's not quite right. So I think you've, you've got to write exactly that's what teens need. They may not know they need it, but that's exactly the type of content and perspective they need to have on, you know, whether it be history or current events, mm-hmm. you know, real people who are still alive. You talked about Ben Carson. Um, so give you an example, Dan, I mean, yeah, you, I'd love to hear it. So when you connect the, the, when you connect the, the fiction and nonfiction, right? So, so we ask, a lot of our, and this is not just kids. I, you know, I ask people in the workforce already, I ask, right. you know, professional athletes, what is your superpower? And they all say, Oh, you know, I got this, or I got that. I'm super fast. Or I can, I, I want to be able to go through time and yada, yada. But when you ask them, you always come back to, and tell me why. And the why is what brings it to the, the reality, right? So the super fiction might be this, you know, this character that transcends, you know, space as we know it. But the reason they want to do it is they'll say, oh, because I want to be able to help people. I want to be able to help the world. I want to be able. So that is taking that piece of the imagination that they have somewhere locked in that brain and bringing it to why are you doing it? Which is, geez, 
it's the human trait, which is I care about people. I love people. I'm compassionate about people. I want to help. Wow. And then you say, so what is it that you would like to do with that superpower? And then it's funny how they, they end up going to professions where they actually help people. I want to be a doctor, a nurse or whatever. So it's, it's pretty neat. So that's where I think it, they, you know, both the fiction and nonfiction world connect so, so nice in this stuff. Well, and that's an excellent point of, you know, bringing it to reality, whatever the content of the book is. So I want to take a little bit of a switch through into the, you know, a little bit about your books, because I know you've written a number of books. Some of them are uh, kind of niche specific to, it looks like baseball. Um, interestingly enough, I'm assuming you have a passion for baseball. Um, but your most recent book, let's see, it is your winning formula, um, discovering the champion within you, correct? Right. That, yeah, there's the one that came out after, but the, the winning formula is, is very similar to the other Recent-ish. one. Recent-ish. Yeah. Well, that's the one they're using at the university, too. So oh, pretty- sure. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that book. You know, what is the hope of that book? What, you know, kind of spark notes version? Obviously, you don't <laughs> want to give away all your secrets. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what are some of the things? Yeah, there you go. There it is right there. What are some of the, the things that you highlight that you touch on that, you know, people need to hear to be yeah. successful? So part of what, you know, got this kind of thought in this book is that I I wrestled with things like, you know, uh, stand up and say, stand up and say that I'm different, be different. Um, I think society wants to put everybody in a box. Mm -hmm. I think society wants a culture where everybody has, everybody has to be the same, think the same, whatever. So I, 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 thought about things like stand up just stand up and say no or just but it was really how to be how to be strong how to be courageous how to be transformational how to how to be a person that truly is comfortable in being able to stand up against the crowd knowing that today they will shut you down try you know the the concern is obviously uh people are scared because the censoring thing came up and if you're not part of the culture, whatever that culture that they're trying to push on you at the university or at your or high school or on your on your team or at your, you know, whatever function you're working on is it's OK. I mean, it's OK to stand up and say, no, I'm different. And let me tell you why. Now, if, if they don't want to hear it too bad, but stand up, be comfortable, be transformational and. Unfortunately, you know, the, the, we, the, the courageous piece, the, the courage piece of what it takes to be a leader. So, you know, one of the things that we, we talk a lot about with all the folks that, you know, in our program is that if you were to do a bell curve and most people will tell you that 10% of the population are leaders, 80% are going to conform to whatever they want them to do. So, you know, I need you to fit in this box and you're going to fit in the, and 10% forget about it. They're not interested in succeeding. But if you if you can move that curve, you know, say 10 to 20 percent of those individuals that are self-motivated, self-driven leaders, you're going to have an organization that succeeds. You're going to be winners, whether it's business, whether it's sports, whether it's theater, whatever it is that you do. You have you have actors, you have players that are truly transformational. And and when I talk about leadership, I you know, obviously you know, the, the great leadership authors will tell you that if you were to if you were to catalog leadership into one word, it'd be influence, the ability for people to influence you. So not because you're a manager, but you because you're a leader. So, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, managers do things right, but leaders do the right thing. So you you have a little bit of a separation. 
But then in this book, I try to bring out things like, you know, judgment and wisdom and and, and then obviously courage, because you're going to have to you have to have the wisdom to make the decision. Right. So it's not about knowledge, but wisdom. you got to have proven yourself in some capacity. Then the judgment to say and discern, hey, why do I want to do this? Why or not do I have the judgment to make the right decision? But then the biggest issue is then the courage to make it because a lot of people have the judgment to make all kinds of great decisions, but they choose not to because they're they're scared. They're scared that they're not going to be popular. They're scared that they're going to be ostracized or ridiculed. And that 10% is the ones that stand up. So we we have, you know, in our organization, we have actually just changed our mission statement. And we used to say inspire and develop, you know, young men and women, student athletes to become of honor, character, integrity. Now we're changing it to say create champions. So what are champions? So champions are those individuals that not only have the character, but also the leadership. So we, we talk about 100 percent of the population have strong character, but the likelihood of having leaders is probably about 10 percent. So if, but if you'd have strong character and leadership, man. You are those champions that can truly, you know, create change in society, create change on your team, create change in your organizations and your schools. And those are the leaders that will eventually transcend and and, and go forward to make things happen. But you're not going to be popular. <laughs> you're not going to be popular. And we we talk about the champions are those not necessarily going to be liked, but they're going to be respected. So if you choose to be that individual that wants to be liked. And you're and you can't wait from the time you post something on your social media to see how many likes you get. That's not going to be for you, right? Because that's that's likability, and the likelihood is they'll like you today, they'll hate you tomorrow, because depending on on where you tend to take your life. But the leaders are the ones that truly understand what the issues are, why they're taking the decision that they're taking, and the courage to stay stand by it and be sustainable in it. Those to me are, are the champions and, you know, the champions are the ones that, you know, they're, they're the ones that do rock the boat because, you know, these kids are being told that they don't rock the boat, just, you know, do your thing, just fit in with the crowd. And, and we're saying, no, go break it, go be different, go, go make be something, you know, if you look at the great leaders of the people that truly created great change in this world, they're the ones that went against the norm. I mean, whether it's science, whether it's math, what you know, the conventional wisdom, you know, you want to sail the seas, but you're going to fall off the cliff. Well, I'm going to still sail the seas. I'm going to prove you wrong. Well, what if I fall off the cliff? (laughs) So the courage to to take that that ship in the ocean and not knowing where it's going to go or, you know, the the great explorers. I mean, the great astronauts, the people that truly had the courage to get in those spaceships when, you know, a lot of people were not being successful. That's, that's tough, man. I mean, I, I, I'm amazed by people like that. I, I just find it fascinating. Well, I mean, and then the, the thing that people need to realize is there's a lot of <clears throat> ideas around what it means to be successful, certain professions. I mean, if you ask teenagers what they want to do is often frowned upon when they're like, well, you know, I'm not quite sure yet. Um, and you know, I was one of those teenagers. I was someone who I went to college, you know, I was doing very well in school and I, you know, I wasn't, I'm going to, I wasn't going to be a lawyer. I wasn't going to be a doctor. People would ask me, well, what are you going to do? I'm not quite sure. I'll figure it out. Right. Right now, these are my priorities. I have a small family. I've been married for a few years. I had three little kids. I was like, I'm just going to graduate high school or college and I'll figure it out. Excuse me. 
morning voice has apparently stricken me regardless um the uh the thing that people need to realize is that passion sometimes takes some time to formulate and if you have a certain personality if you have a certain mindset around life you can realize that you know it will come as i investigate as i try new things as i try to find those passions and i have found success it wasn't where i thought i was if you were to ask me 10 years ago what i wanted to do with my life i would have told you physical therapy Certain mm-hmm. events um, went along where I realized I don't really want to do that, right? Like I want to, I want to be more impactful in different areas. I have passions for other things, and you know, there's a lot of people that look down on me for that, not really knowing where I was going to go. And now I'm very successful. You know, I've I've published five books. I have a homestead. I've got six kids. Um, I six. you know live you in a rural more? part of Idaho. So sorry, what? You gonna do more? You gonna go for kids. more? Yes, that is the plan. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> the people listening probably think we're crazy. But, you know, I don't care, <laughs> honestly. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because... That's why you have the winning formula. Exactly. exactly. So but it's... You know, in... Dan, I, I, I wanted to piggyback on that because sure. um, what we what we emphasize, or at least what I emphasize in these books, is that I don't care what you choose to do. But whatever you choose to do, be the best at it. Because... You know, we all have different talents. We all have different skills. We all have different gifts. And each of those gifts are to be played out. Mm-hmm. But the greatest honor you can pay this country, this world, this society is to be the best at. Mm-hmm. So we we are always telling our kids, like, you know, if you're a high school kid or college kid, go go to the individual in the cafeteria today and say, hey, thank you. You did a great job. Go to the individuals, the janitors of the school and say, hey, thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Because, you know, this thing about I'm better than you because I make more money or whatever, that that has no bearing on who you are as a human being. And we we have a system that kind of pushes people out of the way because they don't have the degrees that we want or they don't they don't have the so-called status. So for for our kids to realize that whatever it is you choose to do, man, just go be the best at it. That's the greatest respect you can pay the people that came before you. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. So I'm going to take another shift here (laughs) because I'm just genuinely curious. I love to talk to authors who say, you know, I I didn't really plan on writing books. It just, I I found this need that I had to deliver this message. It kind of fell into writing. It's kind of amazing how many authors there are like that. So from, from the writing process perspective, because you didn't really have any idea, I mean, you haven't been going to school to be an author, you haven't been studying on how to successfully write a book. You know, I didn't either. Those are the kind of those topics that, you know, like, I don't know. Um, what does the writing process look like for you? Do you plot out your books or is it just kind of like a, you know, discover it as you write it? How, how did you get these words on the page? Yeah. What did that look like for you? It's so cool, right? So... Um, so I think what's happened, uh, with me is that depending on, depending on your experiences, like depending on with the adult, the young adults that we're working with, or the student athletes, some things trigger, mm-hmm. right? Give you an example. I wrote a book called man up and man up. I hate to say it, but some of it came from frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and the reason I say that is we work with a number of impoverished kids in different cities and what have you. And we actually, my wife and I took a couple kids in from these areas that already were in high school. So it was tough. And, you know, we, we actually lived the blind side. And I was so frustrated, Dan, 
with the lack of men mm. in the lives of kids, right? So we, we work in some communities where 90 some odd percent of our kids don't have a father. And I got so passionate about it, right? I got so passionate to, to talk about what is a man, right? Or what is a man? A man is a person that, you know, is supposed to be there, a provider, a protector for your children. And yet these people abandon these kids. So they, they view fatherhood as a sexual act as opposed to a lifetime commitment to a child. Now, obviously, you know, having six kids, you you understand all that. So I, I, I poured into that and I, I got really passionate about it. And you use the word passion. Um, I try to combine passion with three different words. I, 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 I work a lot with kids that we say, what's your purpose? What's your passion? What's your conviction? Because ultimately you have to have a purpose. Where is it that you're navigating? And then the passion is that thing that stirs inside your belly every hour of the day saying, why do I exist to do the things I do? And if I don't have that passion, how am I ever going to pursue that purpose? Mm -hmm. And the conviction is, do I have what it takes, call it the uh, staying power to battle through the adversity, to battle through the haters, to battle through all the people that are telling you it can't be done. And, you know, you, you, you can't do this and you don't, you shouldn't be in this game and who the hell are you to be an author or whatever, where, you, you know, what, what, what technical applications do you ever have to do that? So my, my view of that is if you become passionate about a subject or an issue or an event, damn it, go write it, go, go figure it out, get your message out. So I don't have any, you know, big scheme that I've thought about, okay, I'm going to lay out these books or whatever. It comes through experiences and those experiences trigger something inside of me that says, hey, let's go. Um, like, you know, the winning formula was like, okay, I was tired of having kids come to me saying, you know, I'm afraid that if I say this, I'm going to be put in this box. And, you know, so we have been working a lot with captains and okay. the poor captains were put in a very difficult situation because they're like, what do we say? Well, you're the conduit be between the coach and the kids. That means you have to be making tough decisions, but you know, there's a fine line between a, being a snitch and, and getting respect. So, you know, a lot of that winning formula was about standing up for what's right, being courageous, being transformational, aspiring to greatness, those kind of things. And you know what, it's not that you don't care what people think about you, but it's like your mission and your purpose has to be a lot bigger than what other people care about. So those, you know, in, in kind of a, I know I kind of went around a little bit, but it, I think it's books have been shaped by events and and things that have come, you know, and dealing with experiences with the kids that we work with. Well, I mean, I think you answered the question perfectly, <laughs> you know, but well, from what I understand, and I think I think this is a, a message that a lot of authors need to hear, um, particularly. Oh, so you, you highlighted a few things. Um, the, it just kind of came to you from these mm -hmm. life experiences and it came together um without too much stress on your part and i think there's there's a lot of authors out there that they have this message they have this story whatever it is fiction nonfiction, they want to get out but their mind keeps them from getting it out there because they're overthinking it they're worrying about what other people think right That's they're right. worrying about um doing something wrong or doing it perfectly and they're preventing themselves from getting it out there and i think there's a lot to be said about it just come you know mm -hmm. not worrying about it knowing what your message is knowing what your convictions are what your passions are you can apply that to pretty much anything, but in this case, we can apply it to being an author. And that's the difference between an author who writes a book for 10 years 
and an author who writes a book and actually gets it out there, right? And whatever, I, you know, I'm not going to put a, a time limit on what's fast and what's slow. Everyone has a different process. But the number of authors I've talked to that says, oh, I've been writing my books for 15 years. I'm just too afraid to, or I, I don't know what to do. Like, all right, like, even if you're the slowest author possible, I think 15 <laughs> years is a little bit, it's, a lot. it's, it's, it's too much, right? <clears throat> it, it needs to be out there. And so, you know, you highlighted from a team captain perspective, there's this this line of being respectful, but being bold and putting it out there and knowing what you're what you know and you know being forward in a respectful and positive way. And, you know, sometimes people don't respond to that well. And I think that's okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. everybody has different ideals, everyone has different yeah. opinions, and that's okay. You know, we live in a world of diversity, and that's okay. You know, I, yeah, and it's funny. The more I think about, it, I, I never, I never viewed myself, or still view myself, as an author. Mm-hmm. You know, that, sure. it's just right. It's just <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, um, but I, I think the books are nothing but the ability to share what I would call experiences, life lessons, thoughts that will hopefully help young men and women be successful in in whatever path they choose, and and it's. It's not about being a doctor, a lawyer, or business. It's about having a foundation of character that will allow you to succeed as a man or a woman. And we tell, for example, I tell the kids the greatest honor you can have is to be an amazing mom, an amazing dad, so that when your last chapter is written about you, the kids can look back and say, my dad was this awesome human being that always was there for us. Mm-hmm. And the same for 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 a mom is my mom was that person that was always there for us, and that I think you know that's almost looked down upon in these days. I mean, it's like you know, as a matter of fact, society is trying to get rid of the words mom and dad, which is probably the greatest the greatest two words ever spoken. Man, it's just somebody to say you are a father, you're a dad, you know. And and I, I I was like, I remember when we had our first child, Chrissy, I remember there was a saying that said, anyone can be a father, but it takes a special person to be a daddy. And, you know, how can you frown on that? You know, that's, <laughs> how can you frown on that? It's amazing. Absolutely. And I think, yeah. And I'm going to put this out there just because I'm a, I'm a clean author. I, th- I, you know, a lot of people don't know what that means, but the, the types of books I write contain content that's appropriate. It's fantasy, mm-hmm. right? So you know, there's, there's going to be violence. It just is what it is. But from like a sexually explicit perspective and language perspective, there's not going to be any of that in my books mm-hmm. because I recognize from a youth perspective, the need for these right messages. I don't want to write books that are conveying incorrect things or dangerous things to the younger generation. They're in this this phase where they're learning and they need to get these important messages. I've actually had a number of people email me or message me saying, I really appreciated that in these books, you know, Hmm. X child didn't do something disobedient, right? They, they made the decision they did based on logic, based on kind of critical thinking, but it wasn't because they wanted to be, you know, a certain way. Or, you know, they messaged me and say, I appreciate this strong family relationship as portrayed in X book, right? There's just a lot of things out there that um, it, it's awesome. hard because I, my son who's eight loves to read. And I feel like 15 years ago, it was a lot easier to say, you know, as long as it's within the age range of that book is probably relatively trustworthy. Nowadays, it's not the case. You know, yeah, you, don't know what you're you don't know what's in books. No. It can be written for quote unquote a 12 year old, 
but there's content in there that I would not think is appropriate for a 12 year old. Mm -hmm. And so the point of that is, you know, it's just kind of like highlighting some of these important things that you've talked about. Just make sure that you, whether you're a parent or an author or whatever, that the audience that you're targeting is appropriate for the content that's in it. Mm -hmm. um, just be aware of that. Um, those of you listening, and you, you, if you don't know this about me, my books are safe for you know so youth, <laughs> but they're great for adults too. Like they're epic fantasy. They're written for adults, mm -hmm. but I've got teenagers that love them too. So for you. And in any case, and it's great to hear, you know, it seems like your books are geared towards the right messages. They're the types of things that will only enhance, push forward these young teenagers, you know, to become good men, women, mothers, fathers, those types of things. And so if you're looking for that content, it seems like Buck's got a lot of stuff for you in his bag, his bag of tricks. That's <laughs> bag of tricks. It's, hopefully you see it that way. So what's what's in the up next for you? So are you hoping to continue being an author? I know you're not an author by trade, right. but are you continue you're gonna keep writing books? Do you have other ideas, things that you want to put forward? Yeah, I mean, um there's a um <laughs> there's a side of me that definitely wants to I I've actually started a book. Okay. But we've been so daggone busy, it's been so hard right now. So um so the the next one and i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna lean on jamie <laughs> because here's the message it's the message is a play on kids having the courage to take that step into leadership right so you know we talked about things called you know exercise your backbone or what is it that you know about a leader that you know if you were to take those three things we talked about, the wisdom, the judgment, the courage, how do you package that into leadership? But bringing leadership down to the basic elements for, for young men and women, as opposed to all these, you know, crazy books about self-help and all that. I mean, kids aren't going to understand that. But if you can truly break it down into examples that they wrestle with every day, especially with the barrage of social media messaging, where it's putting so much pressure. I mean, when you look at teen suicide and you look at all the issues that young women are going through with, you know, body shaming and stuff like that, it eats me up because I've got three daughters and I got two incredible granddaughters. So there's a, there's a side of me. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, I was going through my, uh, I was going through my, Oh my God, drawers the other day. And I found a folder that I had started about 20 years ago. And one of my, one of my passions will be that I'm going to write a daddy daughter book. Hmm. So it's, you know, the special bound between daddies and daughters and, and what it is about that, that transition then, you know, as your daughters get older and become, you know, mothers themselves. And then the relationship between, the grandfather and the granddaughters and stuff like that. But there's such a misunderstanding and misconception today of fatherhood. And, and, you know, what is that relationship was just such a, a beautiful thing that we've been blessed with is a relationship between, you know, the, the husband or the wife and the children. And that is the greatest relationship that we'll ever be blessed with. And, and, you know, to put it into a context where it's, it's really geared for, young little girls like a daddy daughter possibly a series or something that we could talk about as simple as saying today we went to the zoo you know so what were those things that made it special what was that day like you know and the next one might be you know we went to a ball game went to the theater whatever but just 
the naivety of the the innocence of having those type of relationships these young women today are being you know they're so young and they're already barraged the innocence of being taken away from all the, because of all the social media stuff and i'm trying to bring that innocence back somehow so i haven't shared that with anybody by the way my daughter's probably going to go what <laughs> are you thinking <laughs> she hears this. oh no put her head down and say wait don't do that no. <laughs> i think that's awesome so you know there's a lot of people who um then maybe they don't have plans to write or and it was just great to see you know, you've got a lot of things out there and it's always cool to hear your thoughts around maybe I know that may change your idea shift over time as the book actually comes to writing, but I think that's it's a really cool thing to look forward to. But we are running short on time. So before we end, I always love to ask, where can people find more information about you and your books and your business if they if they want to look into that? Yeah. So we um there's a website, it's Ace Leadership Group. And so on our Ace Leadership Group, you can, you know. If you want to talk to me, if you want to have a conversation on um, whether it's executive coaching, leadership, if you want information on, you know, what possessed me to write books or how to purchase the books, whatever, they're all on Amazon. So, you know, and then obviously Jamie can, you know, follow up with all the information. But, you know, to me, the more I can give back, the more I can help people find, you know, their passion and, and lead this next generation. I think it'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you, Dan. Listen, continue your great work and good luck with your future kids too. <laughs> I appreciate that. How's they got more in the more in the works? <laughs> yes. I hope you found that as interesting and helpful as I did. It's definitely inspiring to hear Buck and his experience with uplifting teenagers, uplifting the youth to become successful leaders be good people, upstanding citizens of where they live. Um, and, you know, it's inspiring to see the, how the effects of your words can uh, be on somebody else. Something we need to think about as authors, particularly if we are writing um, inspirational books on purpose. So uh, I definitely found a lot of joy and inspiration from hearing Buck's story and talking to him about his experience. The so next week, we'll be talking to Frankie Baghdad about her recent book, I Love My Kids, But I Don't Always Like Them. We also talk a little bit about her experience writing with ADHD, how she organizes things, how she went about planning and writing her book, and her experience in working with her publisher. So I think you'll really enjoy that conversation. So definitely tune in next week. As usual, if you'd like to join me on my podcast, you can head over to dankenner.com slash podcast. Go ahead and fill out that form and I'll get back with you as soon as possible definitely want to have anybody if you're even just related to writing if you're writing your first book or if you have somebody who you think would be great to be on the podcast definitely forward my information to them and i would love to host them on the podcast thanks again for listening and i'll talk to you next week Mm